This Boss Barista episode is brought to you by Ernex. If you've worked in the coffee industry, you probably know Ernex well. You've used their products to clean your equipment. You've attended an event that they've supported. You're probably even using Kefiza at home to clean your pots and pans. One of Ernex's latest advances is a range of environmentally friendly cleaners called BioCaf. BioCaf products are made entirely from plant and mineral-based ingredients and are fully biodegradable. They're available for both commercial and household coffee equipment, so you can use them at the cafe just as easily as you can use them at home. But Ernex is doing more than just making eco-friendly cleaners. They've partnered with people like me and several other coffee professionals to highlight some of the best sustainability efforts in the industry with the BioCaf Sustainability Series. I'm super excited to be part of this initiative and to have another platform to share my thoughts on topics like sustainability. Visit the Ernex website to read my recent piece on Onyx Coffee Labs switch to oat milk in their latest cafe and learn more about BioCaf by visiting www.ernex.com. Hey folks, we're re-airing an episode from June of 2020 with Erica Shade. You may hear them referred to as Erica Jackson in this episode. Erica talks all about intention, getting to know yourself, and offers some wonderful tidbits about slowing down and how working in service can offer moments of presence. Also, if you're interested, if you've seen Instagram posts about the phrase, we are not a family, we have t-shirts. I know I've probably spammed all of your social media accounts with information about these t-shirts, but if you don't know, we have shirts. They say we are not a family. They're designed by my amazing friend, Cooper Foz, and you can get them at bossbarista.com. That's bossbarista, just all one word, bossbarista.com. Thanks for listening. And here's our June 2020 episode with Erica Shade. Hey friends, welcome to Boss Barista, the podcast about workplace equity and employee empowerment in coffee and beyond. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. There are a lot of reasons I do Boss Barista, especially as the show has evolved and changed. One of the reasons is to connect with people I wouldn't have met otherwise. There are at least a handful of folks I know and consider to be my friends because of this show. And people I've become closer to through interviews and through sitting down and having a really focused conversation. Doing the show has also made me a better listener. I'm still learning how to listen a lot, but I also listen for other listeners. That's a little silly, I know, to say out loud, but I've learned a lot about how people listen by doing the show. It's the moments where I hear others give people space to explore ideas or repeat a question to make sure that they really understand it. And I noticed all these things when I was listening to another podcast featuring today's guest, Erica Jackson. Erica is a barista, originally from Birmingham, Alabama, but currently based in Charleston, South Carolina. And she was recently a guest on a show called Nicole's Hen House. The way Erica answered the host's questions really struck me. I think a lot about how to pay attention or listen to the questions that people are asking me versus answering the questions that maybe I wanted to hear or maybe they were implying. And Erica did none of that. She was incredibly present, and I literally reached out to her as I was listening to her on this other podcast 
to see if she'd be interested in having a conversation with me. In this episode, we talk about Erica's journey into the world of coffee, but we also delve deep into how we communicate and how we remain present in our own lives. A lot of these themes are mimicked in our coffee work. Being a good service worker often requires being incredibly present, and many of us are drawn to coffee because of the potential to build community and make connections with others. I think more than anything, this episode is an encouragement to remain present in your own life and notice what's happening around you. We talk about defining moments, both big and small, and how to connect deeply with coffee, beyond making it, beyond working behind the bar, but finding the way it speaks to you as an individual and honoring its place in your life. Here's Erica with more. So Erica, could you introduce yourself for everybody? Yeah, I'm Erica Jackson. And is that it? Or did you want you, me to say where I work? Or You can say whatever you want. Oh, well, yeah, I'm Erica Jackson. <laughs> um, so I'm always, um, I'm always really touched when people reach out to me or engage with me on social media. And I feel like... Mm-hmm you and I have actually engaged a lot in social media. And I was telling you before yeah. uh, we started recording that one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation was a little bit selfish on my end is that I just really wanted to get to know you better because you and I like yeah. exchange messages or we see something on each other's social media and you're like, that's cool or that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was yeah. wondering if you can kind of take us back to the moment, like right before you started making coffee, like what did your life look like before you decided like, this is the thing I'm going to do? Yeah, sure. Well, I want to say that the feeling is totally mutual of wanting to know you more. Um, And yeah, I feel like we kind of know each other in a weird way through social media, but it's really great to have a conversation with you. Um, Life just before coffee yeah, so I had graduated from grad school. I was studying occupational therapy, and I was trying to decide what I wanted to do career-wise. And so, yeah, I was living in an apartment downtown Birmingham and in this um, transitional phase. Yeah. And what kind of brought you to coffee? Well, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so yeah, I actually had a lot of interest. Um, okay. So I, um, I had a classmate in occupational therapy school. Her name was Kelsey and she found a roastery, um, and had bought coffee from the roastery and was like, she shared it with me. And she was like, you should go to this grocery and check it out and uh, support these people because they're doing some really great things. So I, by the time I got around to finding that grocery, it had opened the cafe. And I, I really love the atmosphere. I think this is a feeling that people can sometimes get when they walk into cafes that's an intangible um, like, wow, I really, really dig this place. I really like this place. I can't quite put a finger on it, but there's something special about this place. 
And um, that's how I felt when I walked into that cafe. And um, and that was actually Seeds. And I ended up volunteering for Seeds. Um, I don't know if many people know this, but Seeds is a nonprofit. So I volunteered for Seeds. I had a lot of fun. I was actually in their first group of volunteer training. Um, but yeah, I had, so I volunteered and then I went back to school and then, like I said, I got out of school and then, um, I was actually really, really interested in tea and I went to India, I visited a tea garden, visited a tea factory, had the most exquisite cup of tea I've ever had in my life. And I thought I was going to help my friends start their tea business, but I ended up back in coffee. Um, so yeah, those are kind of my beginnings of coffee, just being in awe of the atmosphere of the cafe and having fun learning something new and yeah, just being fascinated with those parts of coffee before actually getting into um some of the more nuanced parts of brewing and all of that what was your relationship to coffee like before that before I started volunteering yeah did you drink coffee at all or did you (sighs) was it like a sudden moment of like oh my gosh this world no I didn't drink coffee my mom drank coffee a lot so it was around in our home but um, I actually was a tea drinker. I still am a tea drinker. So, um, so yeah, no, I didn't really drink coffee before I got into it. <laughs> I love, I love like those moments of like the, like something ineffable happening, like something that you can't describe where you're like, this is the place that mm-hmm. I want to be. Like, have you ever been able to look back on that moment and like figure out like more of what that feeling is like that, like intent, like that intangible feeling? Mm. Um, I, I think what it, what that feeling is for me is it's spiritual. And I, I think that's linked to the ritual of coffee, which I don't think we talk about a lot in our cafes, but yeah, I think it, the ritual and people being centered and fixated on a ritual of someone preparing them coffee and them preparing to drink that coffee and and then the the conversation and the being that happens as you're drinking coffee so yeah I would say it's a ritual it's spiritual that's really cool I feel like I I just listened to um an episode of the coffee black podcast um mm-hmm and at, he just did this whole episode with a guy who talked about like the the ritual of Ethiopian coffee and just like telling people to slow down and how yeah yeah like how like the way that we consume coffee in America is almost like the exact opposite of that it's fuel or it's like the thing that you get before like the work day or something like that so it's really cool that you right. like the thing that drew you was that ritual mm-hmm. so. Yeah. How did your sort of like coffee career progress from the moment of like, oh, this is an industry I want to at least kind of work into like, oh, this is the thing that I want to do? Yeah, that's a great, 
Great question. Um, so I actually didn't make coffee my thing until about two and a half years ago. Um, I so I got into coffee and I was still questioning: Is this what I want to do with my time? I do like this. I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, is this what I want to do long term? And there were two people that I worked with that I would say like really facilitated that shift for me. So one of those people was Jeff Huey and he he told me he as a white man told me that coffee was a part of my heritage as a black person. Um, and that was really, really formative. Um, I was like, wow, like I never thought about it that way. Like, yeah, like coffee is from, originates in Africa and I'm African American. I don't know my African roots, but I did like originate from there. So, uh, yeah, I was, that's when I started thinking, yes, it's really important for black and brown people to be on this side of uh, coffee and its consumption and its preparation. Um, So that made me feel like I should really be a part of coffee. And then another person that was really influential was Blake Nail. And he, um, when he got hired for Seeds, it was a very interesting time in that company because he came in with a lot of enthusiasm just about coffee. <laughs> um, Seeds being a nonprofit, there's a, like a lot of moving parts that are really beautiful um, and really important. But he was just really passionate about coffee. And he just really drew me into that and he's actually how I got into coffee competition um and why I know you and other people in the industry he got me out of that Birmingham bubble um and into the industry so yeah I would say go ahead sorry no you're good oh yeah so I would just say like having ownership of coffee in a way like Maybe it's like a social ownership and having um, just awareness of the industry and other people in the industry that I can learn from. That really catapulted me into a coffee career. So, yeah. Those are two really powerful, I think, moments, obviously for mm-hmm. you specifically, but I think reflecting in general for people who are maybe still trying to find their footing in coffee or understand what the yeah. industry looks like because. I mean, the fact that you mentioned like you could be working in a coffee shop and then not really know what the industry at large looks like um, is like what I like sit up at night thinking about, especially now during, Mm. uh, you know, we're we're living through a global pandemic, obviously. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. about a lot of the baristas who maybe like don't have access to like the industry at large and how transformative that can be. But also being able to Mm. tie coffee to like your personal identity is so absolutely powerful. And it's something that I struggle with um, being Cuban, um, something that I'm actually Mm -hmm. trying to figure out, um, 
is coffee grown in Cuba? Like it, it is, but I like have never been able to get my hands on it. Um, so it's really yeah. interesting finding those like parallels in identity that are so powerful. And like, mm-hmm. I, I just like, I'm just like so touched by the stories that you just shared. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just think that th- those two things are really important and that's very insightful for you to bring up with our current situation. Yeah, if I was a barista that didn't know about the industry and then I didn't have my job and I wasn't connected to other people or or other places where, you know, I could eventually, like, get another job, that sounds like a really, really hard situation to be in. So, yeah, I didn't even think about that. So thanks for bringing that up. No, thank you for inspiring the conversation to go in that direction. Um, so I'm wondering about other kind of transformative moments. Um, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, um, but I feel like you're someone who like really pays attention and can make really big connections. So I was wondering if there are other moments Mm -hmm. in your coffee career that have felt really, really impactful or really important to the development of your career. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, my experience on the tea farm, actually, it, you know, it's a parallel industry. And I think that roots and grounds me. And like, even though that was like, before I fell in love with coffee, I always think about that experience. And I think that propels me to, um, keep looking at the world differently because on that trip I got to meet some of the people who were picking the tea and I got to go into their home and have conversation with them and yeah that just that humanizes uh, a pro like you know we just see a lot of things in America as product mm-hmm. and I have this experience where I've met someone who's like working really, really hard to get this from point A to point B. Um, so yeah, I would say that was really formative. Um, I'm trying to think of some other aha moments. I mean, they don't have to be big aha moments and sometimes they're just like, they're just not there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm having a little bit of an, not an aha moment, but I was, again, I was telling you about this before we started recording. Um, I really mm-hmm. wanted to set the mood by like having your bag of coffee here. So <laughs> I was wondering if you could talk us through a little bit, um, cause I want people to be able to picture this too in their mind's eye. Like you have a coffee that has like your name and like your face on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really big honor um so I (laughs) I took this random selfie one day and uh that is the picture that the coffee bag is based off on and in that picture um and also on the label um I'm wearing a purple bandana and it's actually the chocolate barista bandana um yeah, I 
there's no word to describe seeing your your face in different shops and in different places and you know also just in a in a well-known shop in your hometown uh it's really cool and it's really it's really amazing to have a black woman on a coffee bag i mean it just (laughs) you just don't see that anywhere totally Um, how did this happen like what did what was the conversation like was did like one of the Mm -hmm. owners of seeds just come up to you and were like we're gonna put your face on a bag well my friend jonathan and we were coworkers at the time he was actually my manager and he's a really really talented artist um he's the one who designed the label um so we were it was his idea um, we were trying to think of specific branding for, uh, it's called the Iron Fist. Um, and so we're trying to think of like, what, you know, what do we want to put on the bag? And he was throwing out ideas and he's like, yeah, Erica, I have this one idea where you're a cartoon and this is what you're doing. And he just told me his whole like vision. And I was like, oh, that's a cool idea. That's a fun idea. I I literally thought it was one idea of many ideas. And then he showed me the mock-up. And I was blown away. And I was like, oh, you you actually drew this. It's actually a thing. And it turns out it was the idea. <laughs> so it was a it was a very big surprise. Um yeah that's how it came to be he just had this vision and he drew it and there it is but i mean like you can't i mean as you were saying before like the power of seeing like a black woman on a bag of coffee and as you mentioned Mm -hmm. it's your it was the main espresso blend for seeds and Mm -hmm. seeing it all throughout birmingham or at other wholesale accounts must be just so incredibly powerful but also like i would imagine a little bit like oh shit, like that's me. Like that's me right there. <laughs> yeah, it is really powerful. And um, I I love it. I love it so much. Um, yeah. Uh, so the name Iron Fist, um, was that the mm-hmm. name of the blend specifically? Or was that something that you folks like collaborated on that was meant to like encompass like a part of your identity? Oh, oh, it's actually a part of Birmingham's identity. So Birmingham was an industrial city and um, it created steel. Like it had really big steel mills. And uh, part of that is iron ore. And yeah, so um, there's still like... um, they're still homage to the iron industry and the steel industry and all of that. So Iron Fist is actually um, honoring Birmingham. But you've also kind of taken it to be part of like your identity too. I mean, maybe I'm extrapolating <laughs> a little bit, but like, you know, it's your, it's your Instagram handle. And like, I mm-hmm. wonder like, how do you see that kind of interweaving into like how you view yourself or how like that expresses in your identity? Sure. Yeah, well, it started off as a joke because uh, <laughs> my friends um, 
I'm just a big personality. And so my friends are like, you know, you're, (laughs) I just feel like they won't, they, they were characterized. I mean, I have become a character, but they're like, yeah, like you're, you're Lady Iron Fist. And like, we were like, just laughed about it. It was just like a joke. And then um, my friend Chandler, he still works for Seeds. Um, Chandler was like, yeah, you should make that your Instagram handle. Um, his Instagram ca- handle is Latte Art Cam, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he's like, you should make that your Instagram handle. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll do it. So I did. But yeah, I, I think it is more than a joke now. Um, I think that it does encapsulate me because I was born in Birmingham. and. Um, I'm actually pretty intense, um, <laughs> and I think it's important for women to, um, to self-actualize and come into their power, um, and that's what I've been trying to do, um, so, yeah, and I love cartoons, so, like, it just, it does, it is a, it's a part of me, um, and, not that I think strength is like purely physical, but there is also something about um, a portrayal, even if it's just like a portrayal in that actual real life, but a portrayal of an image of a woman that's strong and a woman that will stand up for herself and a woman that knows her worth, you know? You mentioned self-actualizing your power. What does that look mm-hmm. like for you? Because I imagine that that process isn't always linear right yeah um yeah it takes a lot of reflection I would say and um it's really hard to look inward and to hold yourself accountable for your actions and yeah even hold yourself accountable for your thoughts because thoughts lead to actions not that you can control them but just you know recognizing them um so i think i think it begins by starting inward and holding at least for me it's it's that's been the process is looking inward evaluating my thoughts evaluating my speed um looking at the the way that like i enter a room or that other people enter a room And, um, yeah, just taking note of when I say something or when I do something, how the room is being affected or how other people are being affected. Because we all, we all have influence. Um, we all are affecting each other's lives, whether we want to be or not. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think self-actualization, part of it is just taking stock of literally how your actions affect other people and affect spaces. You're someone who pays a lot of attention. Um, and I know that I've mm-hmm. mentioned this to you before. Um, have you always been that type of person? Have you always been someone who's kind of acutely aware of their surroundings? Or do you think that that's something that's maybe come later in your life? Because I know for me, um, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm someone who um, likewise pays attention. Um, and that's one of the reasons I think that I'm very drawn to you. Um, 
but I don't think I was always that person. Like by no means I was, I was like a stupid idiot until I was like 24. So. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I think I've always been this way and I've, I've actually tried to reflect on that in the past couple of weeks and figure out why. And I wonder if it's uh, a middle child skill. Oh my God, I'm <laughs> um, all about birth order. Yeah. So I'm middle-ish. Um, I have three sisters and um, I'm the third of four. So I think, yeah, I think I've, from a young age, just had to observe this is what my older sisters are doing and this is what my mom is doing and this is what I'm doing and my younger sister, but we're all connected somehow. Like there's actually a really big age gap between me and my older siblings. So um, I have a sibling that's 12 years older than me and a sibling that's 11 years older than me. Um, And then the next sister is, just 11 months apart from me not even a whole year oh wow um so yeah we were born in the same year um yeah so I wonder if it's from just trying to bridge age gaps between me and my siblings and that's maybe the start of my observation but that's really yeah I also go ahead sorry no no you're good I was also going to say, like, I'm just a very physical person. And what I mean by that is it kind of goes back to what I was saying about um, observing the way that you take up space or observing the way that your voice or your body language affects a room or affects other people. I um, have always been aware of that. And I think I'm just like, a physical person, like in the Enneagram, they, they break it up into like body heart and what's the other one I don't uh god body heart and there's another one but i'm i'm definitely like in the body category so interesting um yeah. i love talking about birth order because i think like i love I, I mean i love all of it like i love astrology i love enneagrams i love um mm-hmm. myers-briggs and all of that but i do think yeah. that probably more than anything the person that I am is because of my birth order like I'm an eldest child like through and through mm-hmm. um and my mm-hmm. sisters it's interesting that you mentioned the age gap because my sisters are eight and nine years younger than I am um gotcha. so I definitely like lived in this world very separate from them for a long time because our experiences were mm-hmm. completely different when I was 18 they were nine and ten um right and so I think so much of this like insularity that I lived with for a majority of my life um, comes from that fact that like I was essentially an only an only child in certain ways. Um, And then when I started working in service, um, it forced me to interact with people in a way that I never had to. So I think for me, that's why I'm interested in knowing if people are always inquisitive or always in tune with kind of the world around them, because I owe that Mm -hmm. all to service. Like I owe that all to working in coffee. Mm hmm. So I wonder, uh, kind of thinking about that, what what do you think about coffee or about working in coffee that kind of really speaks to you as a person? Hmm. Um, yeah, 
I'll go back to spirituality. So another thing that my friend Jeff told me that was really formative was that providing a beverage to someone is also a spiritual service. So um, just like the exchange of energy that takes place um, in that moment of me preparing a coffee from, for someone and then giving it to them, um, that really attracts me and like keeps me like I just love to make coffee for people um and hopefully they will enjoy it and if they don't enjoy it I want to know why they didn't so I can make it better next time um yeah so spiritual interactions with people um for sure is like really important to me whether you know I'm aware in that moment or the other person is aware in that moment um, of it being a spiritual experience. And maybe it's not even that for them, but yeah, I just always see it as um, a spiritual exchange. Um, I really like the, like all the smells and sounds and just like being able to use my senses. And again, I think that goes to me like being grounded in my body, being a physical person. Um, so like I think coffee is a lot of work. <laughs> uh, being a barista is, man, it's so taxing um, sometimes. But yeah, so another thing that draws me to coffee is being able to move my body and use my body in a meaningful way and while I'm doing that, I'm having this really awesome sensory experience at the same time. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, I can imagine that like the actual physicality of being behind the bar and serving people is really, really gratifying. But at the same time, mm -hmm. and something that I think is really powerful is that you seem to be really interested in those moments of exchange of like, I am giving you a mm -hmm. thing that I've made. And that requires mm -hmm. a lot of presence. Hmm. Like I know that yeah. for me sometimes like I I I kind of have to like zone out and I feel like the best shifts for me when I'm behind the bar are like those ones that like go by really really fast and you're just like where did where did 9 hours go? Um yeah. and I feel like you're speaking to the opposite moments where it's like the moment where like look at this thing that I've made for you and this is a moment of connection if, even if we don't know each other. Mhm. Mm yeah. Um I, I do, so I, I have a love-hate relationship with rushes in a cafe <laughs> because uh, I, I love challenges. So that act of, all right, we have to get out these drinks and we have to get them out really fast and they need to be well done. I love that feeling of doing that really well. Um, or, you know, like sometimes I don't and I get to take apart why I didn't, but, um, yeah, so I, I love rushes because of the challenge, but I hate rushes because, 
they lack intimacy to me. Um, you know, in that moment, I just have to get drinks or whatever out as fast as I can and, you know, try to still, like, make eye contact with the person or thank them. Um, but it's it's a rush exchange at that point. Um, I would much, much rather be aware of the flow of the cafe, like the literal flow of people in and out of the cafe and how they're experiencing it and how they're experiencing other people in the cafe. Like I would rather, yeah, be able to slow down and notice all those things and um, give someone their coffee and have time to talk about it with them um, or talk about something else that they want to share because um, and I know this is, this is going to be, I think this can be really hard for baristas, the, the emotional labor of it. And, um, you know, I think boundaries can be crossed and sometimes people will treat baristas like their therapist. Right. For <laughs> but, sure. um, I, I think for everyone who is fine with, uh, that time being taken and who wants to take time to have a conversation with the customers I would I want all of that space like I would love for that to just be, be a consistent thing in cafes um yeah you're right I'm speaking to like those slow moments so yeah I mean those are still really beautiful moments and I, I even like I think about like those, even though I'm, I'm definitely a person who finds a lot of gratification from like crushing a rush, like that's really exciting Mm -hmm. for me, but you know, I, the moments I remember, the moments that I go back to are the slow moments or the moments where I took a moment, the moment I took a moment, that was silly, Uh, but the moment that I was able to pause and kind of see what was happening around me, I think are the most gratifying. Um, So it's interesting to kind of think of those, those two moments because they are like kind of part and parcel with being a barista um, and you can get gratification out of both. Totally. What does the future look like for you in coffee? Like what would you like to be doing in the next year, two years, five years? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I would love to get back into a space where I can use more of my skills. Um, at my current job, I my role is to be a really good barista, and I can do that. But uh, kind of like you've been saying this throughout this podcast, I usually am looking at big picture, and so I'm in a frustrating place of like. I can't affect the big picture. I can't even speak into the big picture. Um, so I would want to get back into a role where I can have an effect on the big picture of what's going on. Um, yeah. And that's the thing that comes to mind. Um, I don't really have a specific job or job description yeah. I think right now but yeah I would love to just 
be able to have a more holistic approach to my work. I do love that you focused on the big picture as opposed to a specific job, because I don't know that we train ourselves to think about the conditions that make us happy versus like the, the, the linear thing that makes us happy. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I have the right language for that, but I think a lot, like as I get older, I think about less, this is the job I want to do versus this is the environment I want to be around. And these are the skills I want to utilize. So even thinking about like, what's your dream job is not as important to me as much as like, I want to utilize like, my ability to think big I want to utilize my ability to like be quick on my feet like those things matter to me a lot more so it's really cool to hear you talk about like I'm good at these things and these are the things that I care about how do I like kind of almost work backwards as opposed to like that's the job I want and maybe I don't even get to do all that stuff yeah sure I think I got spoiled um in a previous job where I got to that the position didn't exist before I took it on. So I got to shape it and make it what it was going to be. And so now I just, I just give myself this permission to say, these are the things that I want to do. So I just need to meet the right people, get in the right space to do that. I don't need a title to do that. Um, I do want to be paid to do that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but the title, the title is not like you're saying it, it. It's not very important. Um, but my actual work is is really important to me. One of the one of the conversations I think about a lot in my coffee career is when I was working with this wonderful person, uh, her name is Rachel. And we were talking about like the things that we're good at. And I mentioned mm-hmm. to her that I was like, I think I'm good at this. And I'm good at that. I kind of like named some things. And I was like, I don't think I'm good at this other thing. And I asked her, I was like, what do you think you're good at? And she was like, I don't know. And mm. I was like, that sucks. Like how has no one ever yeah. told you? And, and not to say that you discover what you're good at through like people affirming yes or no, but Um, Mm -hmm. what I love about this conversation is that I don't think a lot of people are trained to think that way. Um, Mm. and I love that. I hope that this conversation leads people to kind of think like, who, who am I as a person and what am I good at? Or what do I enjoy? Um, as opposed to like, Mm -hmm. what jobs do I want or, or things like that? I don't know. I'm, I'm still kind of forming these thoughts, but what I love about talking to you is that it feels like you think very critically about like, this is who I am. And this is Mm -hmm. like the way that I'm going to move around the world and maybe, and obviously learn and keep engaging. But at the same time, like what's important to me is to honor like the person that I am. Yes, for sure. Yeah. What you're saying goes back to those concepts of, of self-concept and of self-actualization. And, um, I think in my process of self-actualization, I'm just at that place of um, this is who I am and this is how I'm going to exist. Um, so I need to, to make a space, find a space uh, to exist in that way. And I do, I do wish that more people were able to invest in that and to, to think about um, Yeah, to think about how 
to, to think about their formation and their self-concept and um, their worth. And you're right. Um, knowing what you're good at doesn't just come from people affirming those things. But that is also important. I, I think that's a big part of of self-concept because people can say that thing and then you can think about it and then you can either agree or disagree. But I think it's important as much as I've been talking about, you know, looking inward, uh, it's important to know how you are seen by other people and perceived by other people. Um, again, even if it's false. Um, yeah, I think it's important, like, you to have of just your self-concept and how you want to be. Like, yeah, who is the person that you want to be? And how do you get yourself there? Well, I hope that people listen to this and feel empowered to have those conversations with themselves and think think deeply and think inwardly. Um, Erica, it has been an absolute okay. honor and pleasure for for you to agree to be on the show and to talk to me. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for stopping in. I feel silly saying that because we're not in the same place. <laughs> no, um, thank you for having me, Ashley. Thank you for your time. I've really, really enjoyed this time. And um, hope we can have more like meaningful conversations like this. Agreed. That was Erica Sade. I'm here to give you guys a quick update because we talk a lot about their Instagram handle. You can actually find them at Black Coffee for Life. That's B-L-K Coffee for the number four life. B-L-K Coffee, C-O-F-F-E-E, the number four life, L-I-F-E. Thanks for listening to this episode and we will see you next week. I'm just looking for a better day. Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez. You can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter, along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bossbarista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com slash bossbarista. We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund, we pay for website hosting, and we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Again, if you want to support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation at www.patreon.com slash boss barista. Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody. Sharing on social media is also a huge help, along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. As a small production, these things matter a lot. So if you can take a little time, share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode, and tag us. That would be 
amazing. We're at Boss Barista Podcast on Instagram and Boss underscore Barista on Twitter. You can also send me an email at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.